0: So follow The 7 right now. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources, and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework.
1: Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio.
2: When somebody is learning something new to indicate what they're doing well, and not to just say good job, but good job for peeing in the potty. It makes me so happy. Kind of using the frame exactly labeled, exactly what they're doing. Saying how it makes you feel as a parent, that could be really effective at changing behaviors. Now, you absolutely do not want to praise every single minute on every single issue because then, you know, it might be really difficult for the children to actually build that own internal ability to praise themselves and to recognize that they're proud for themselves Mm. and they won't necessarily always seek it externally. Mm. But certainly, most parents aren't praising enough.
3: (laughs)
1: <laughs> Welcome back to Katie's Crib. I am sitting across the screen from somebody who I have so many mutual friends with that I, oh man, I've, I I think so highly of you without knowing you because the people we share in common, my best friend, Amy Rosoff Davis, who's been on this podcast, the incredible Sasha Sagan, who's been a guest on this podcast. I love them both so much and they speak so highly of you. Zachary K. Blumpkin. Guys, we're talking today about children's feelings and internal validation. I know we're going to talk about it in terms of parenting and children, but I feel like this goes a very long way with adults as well and across every department avenue of your life. Um, Dr. Zachary K. Blumkin is a licensed psychologist and the clinical director of the Columbia Day Program at Columbia University Irving Medical Center in Midtown Manhattan. In addition to his clinical and administrative roles, Dr. Blumkin coordinates the evidence-based treatments courts for the psychology trainees and psychiatry fellows in the Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at CUIMC. He specializes in working with children, adolescents, young adults, and and adults. Zach, thank you so much for coming on to Katie's Crib. I think this might be my most important podcast episode, um, only because I do think that if we can get this one pretty good, it really helps everything else. (laughs) Am I right?
2: Yeah, well, uh, first off, thanks for having me. and You're for the Beautiful introduction and dropping Amy and Sasha's name, whom I <laughs> whom I love. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think validation and talking about emotions with children is such an important topic. I think it's something that we don't often um, hear a lot about and get a lot about a lot of instruction on how to kind of um, do this effectively in a way that really helps our children and avoid maybe some pitfalls that we do as parents that actually kind of uh, impact their ability to understand their emotions, recognize them, and and really importantly, learn to cope with them.
1: You have kids yourself?
2: I have three boys.
1: Oh, I mean, we should just do an episode on three boys. What are their ages?
2: So I have seven, recently seven, recently five last week, and then I have a COVID baby who's going to turn two in September. So my home, not only is it the Wild West, But it often smells like urine in different (laughs) places, and we have no idea why.
1: Oh, yeah. Just let it go.
2: MTA bathroom.
1: Yeah. You know, we just are – we can't have nice things. That's what I say. We can't have nice things. We can't have nice clothes. We can't have a rug. We can't. It's just get involved in not knowing where the pee smell is coming from and survive. You know? Okay. In researching and preparing for this episode, I really – there are so many things I want to ask you, but let's start with um, on Psych Hub's Ask the Expert series, you mentioned the difference. So let's start here between validation and praise. What is the difference?
2: Yeah, so this this is really, really important for parents to pick up praise as a parent to a child or, uh, you know, a husband to uh, their partner, or wife to their partner, whomever is indicating to somebody that you're happy or you like what they did. I think that was good. You made me so happy. Thank you for doing that. It makes me feel good. Praise is really, really important because it communicates to individual what you, what you want. So it, it instructs your kid what you want to see and what's nice, right? I think that the issue that we have generally in our society, I think is twofold. One is we like to criticize more than praise. And most parents are actually using many more criticisms to praise usually it's about 10 criticisms to one praise. When research indicates, we want to try for four praises to one criticism. Now, I want to be clear. I'm going to talk a lot about what parents should do, and I'll recognize I don't even do it all all the time. I try my best. Of
1: course, of course.
2: Three, Three boys under seven is really, really hard. And at the same time, we want to try to praise whenever we can.
1: When I hear a lot of parents say good job all the time, it kind of like drives me nuts. Like, good job you peed on the potty or whatever. And like, that's good the first year, obviously. But like, if we're still doing this for like a seven year old, am I wrong to think that like that there are parents that overpraise?
2: There are definitely parents and, and people in general that I think um, when they praise, they don't always use it as effectively as possible. So absolutely. When somebody is learning something new to indicate what they're doing well And not to just say good job, but good job for peeing in the potty. It makes me so happy. Kind of using the frame exactly labeled, exactly what they're doing, saying how it makes you feel as a parent, that could be really effective at changing behaviors. Now, you absolutely do not want to praise every single minute on every single issue because then, you know, it might be really difficult for the children to actually build that own internal ability to praise themselves and to recognize that they're proud for themselves. Mm. And they won't necessarily always seek it externally. Mm. But certainly most parents aren't praising enough. And I would agree with you. You don't want to praise for every single thing all of the time for many, many years. It's probably not going to be helpful.
1: Wow. So most parents are not praising. What are they what what does a criticism sound? I, I think I do criticize a lot now that I'm thinking about it. I think my criticism in my household came about much more post two years old and definitely went the introduction of my second, uh, my daughter, because so much of it is like, don't do that. You can't touch her body like that. Listen to the sounds she's making. She doesn't want to be touched like that. She doesn't want to be hugged. You have to take the toy. Like everything got more complicated and you're right. It is a lot of criticism. What, what is validation? What's the difference? Yeah.
2: So validation is very different. And I think validation is really important because we don't hear a lot about it and it often gets confused with praise. Validation is communicating to somebody that you hear them, that you understand them. And let's think of it specifically in the sort of sense of you understand their emotions. I understand how you're feeling. I understand how you're thinking. I might even understand how you engaged in a certain or why you engaged in a certain behavior, even if I don't agree with any of those. So it's the skill of really listening and hearing somebody else out, which is hard to do.
1: Mm, Okay, so an example would be, Let's say my son uh, has a complete temper tantrum because his sister took a toy that he had been working very hard on. Um validation would be would be something like, I hear that you're really upset right now, and I understand that you're very angry that she took your toy and that stinks. You know, that's really hard for you, for her, and I'm sorry. Like, is that validation? Is that the vocabulary would sound like?
2: That, yes, exactly. It sounds like you were already trained up. You know exactly what you're doing. And and I imagine many parents on the call are going to say, wait, 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 slow down. He just took her toy. What are we talking about here? So just to be really clear, a lot of the work on validation was sort of formalized in dialectical behavior therapy. And I don't know how much we'll get into that today. Um, but dialectical behavior therapy is the idea that, uh, well, dialectics is the idea that two opposing ideas can both be true at the same time.
1: I love this. This is my marriage. I love this. We are both things can exist and happen simultaneously. Yes.
2: It is an amazing therapeutic um, or a theoretical orientation therapeutic a, a set of skills developed by Marsha Lenahan for adolescents by uh, Jill Rathis and Alec Miller. And, and the idea is exactly what you said. A child took the toy. So we would want to focus on the dialectics of change. You're not allowed to take somebody else's toy without asking. So we're actually not going to permit that to happen. And acceptance. I will also accept how that young child feels in that moment. And if I validated your son or you validated your son and said, I know you're really angry, I know you really wanted to play with the toy, and it makes sense to me that maybe um, you got really upset by this. Hopefully, your son would become more regulated, will feel heard, and then himself uh, recognize, maybe I shouldn't have taken that toy. I really reflected on the idea that his behavior on getting that toy wasn't super effective. And he's more likely in the future to do something differently. It could be a really, validation could be a really helpful tool in bringing people down and helping them feel more regulated, more heard, so they can now process new information and make more effective decisions in lives. And by the way, you can use this with your kids. You can use it with partners. You can use it with anybody. Um, But validation is an amazing tool. Now, the trick here, though, Katie, is sometimes you don't always agree. And that's okay. You don't need to agree with somebody to validate them as long as you can hear them. You wouldn't want to validate the invalid, which is a whole nother path that you have to be careful about.
1: What does that mean?
2: So if somebody is stating something that is false or inaccurate, you wouldn't want to validate that because that would reinforce an inaccurate version of what is likely to happen. So sometimes people will come to me and say, Zach, I'm really scared to fly because the plane is going to crash. I would never validate that the plane is going to crash because it would be really unlikely that it's going to crash. But I could validate that it's really, really Scary. difficult to get into a plane yeah and get shot into the atmosphere if you don't know anything about jet propulsion. and you haven't done it in a long time uh, and you have a, um, a history of anxiety, of course. right You validate, validate, validate and hopefully that individual will feel a little bit more comfortable with the idea of getting the plane and then can use skills to effectively cope while they're in the plane invalidation is something that inevitably we all do. And it's communicating to, in this case, our children, that their thoughts, their emotions, and their behaviors are wrong for a situation. All right. And so if you constantly telling a child, you know, you shouldn't think that way, you know, that that's not the way to think about it. That's wrong to think about it that way, or don't feel that way. You should change how you feel. That's not helpful. If you continue to um, kind of bombard them with that invalidation or the communication that what they're thinking or feeling is wrong, that can actually dramatically impact how they understand and see the world. Because they're constantly then questioning how they're feeling and how they're thinking. But here's the other key piece. They know how they feel. So if they feel guilty and people tell them repeatedly, don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty, well, they know that they feel guilty. So not only are they going to struggle with understanding their own emotions and why they're feeling this way, but they're going to stop trusting other folks and why other folks are communicating this to me because I know I feel guilty. So, Katie, why are you telling me to stop feel this way, feeling this way? Because this is how I feel.
1: Yeah, I, I'm very careful, you know, with boys and, you know, they say if somebody's really sad you know and and saying it's okay it's okay you're okay you're okay just stop this we're not crying right now like any of that stuff it's like no like if your kid's upset or sad about something you know you're like I hear that you're really sad and I'm that's let's just be sad for a little bit I'll sit here I'll be sad with you for a while let's be sad until we're not sad anymore you know
2: absolutely and and again just to to, to kind of emphasize this, when you tell that child not to be sad, you're telling them what they're feeling is wrong, even though they're feeling that way, right? So they lose that trust in themselves, that I know what I'm feeling is accurate. But they also lose trust in what other people are saying to them, because they also know that they really feel sad and nobody's listening. So it really if it's if it's done chronically and severely, it can really lead to some negative outcomes in sense of self, self-esteem and other areas.
1: Mm. I always equate it to and tell me, like, you know how you yawn and someone else yawns? So if my son, for all of you listening, we have a lot of listeners who have toddlers and young children. And if my kid is having a freak out about something, validation always helps me at least try to be calm and then like a yawn I hope that at some point he is better matching my calmness and regulated validation than if I were to also start yelling, which, by the way, I am fucking guilty of as well. I think sometimes it's so hard that I have a parenting podcast because I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but that doesn't mean that I'm always working at that vibration. It's hard. It's hard. Sometimes you just really want to yell and then they yell, too. I mean, it's like I'm trying, though. Um, Okay, we did through a step by step breakdown. I think we should do this again because you're talking about dialectics. But let's talk about the body language. So the first things you could do if you were validating someone's tantrum I see that you're upset. I hear that you're upset. Something like that. Immediately, you're trying to, it it almost feels like from an acting standpoint, like empathy, right? Like put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, Absolutely. What is the body language for validation look like?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the first step really is nonverbal. And you want to kind of walk over to them, sit down. You could rub their back, tilt their heads, get down to where they are and make that eye contact. Show them that you're really listening. And and look, similar to you, I understand in this moment we really need to get to soccer practice. We're late for the birthday party. We really need to get to the airport.
1: And you do not want to get in your fucking car seat. Classic. Absolutely
2: not. Absolutely not. And this is likely going to be one of the most effective ways to actually get them moving quickly is to actually sit down, get with them, get to their eye level, really show them that you're listening can be a super um, effective way of starting validation and validating in itself. The next piece you're going to want to do is what we would call kind of reflection or accurate reflection. You're going to want to ask them what's going on. I know you don't want to get into your car seat because it's uncomfortable. If you got it right on the first job, on the first shot, that's great. They're going to nod, they're going to say yes. If you got it wrong, it's okay because you can then ask them, oh, why don't you want to get in your car seat? Because it's too hot in the car. Okay. So let's see what we can do to fix that in that moment. Reflecting back to them, I know it's not always comfortable in the car seat because it gets hot. I get that. And let's talk about some ways to maybe make the car a little bit cooler for you during the ride. there.
1: Yeah, see, my son doesn't get in the car seat. I I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure my son doesn't like anything where he's not in the position of power or auto- autonomy, right? So, like, he doesn't want to get in the car seat. He doesn't want to get dressed. Um which is, like, classic four-year-old shit show. I mean, we've got i don't take him to school in his clothes ever. I drop him off in pajamas— <laughs> there's a stack of guys listening. This is like, I have, I can't believe the mother I am. I can't believe it. But in the, in the, in the battles, I can't, I can't, I can't do it in the morning. I've realized that I am not operating at a high vibrational place where I can do validation and all this shit when I just need him to get dressed and get out the door. So his preschool was like, forget it, bring him in his pajamas. We'll change him. At some point, he's not going to wear his pajamas to school when he's a teenager because he's going to care what people think, maybe.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and what you're talking about, Katie, is a, a beautiful skill of picking your battles. So my five-year-old, I almost said four-year-old because he, bir- he just had his birthday.
1: Happy birthday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty sweet. Um, thank you. He, he's just started to refuse to wear shorts. So in New York right now, it's about 90 degrees, and he's just wearing jeans right no! to the summer camp. Oh, like, my God. It's so hot. But you know what? It's, absolutely, it's I'm just not going to pick that battle because you're absolutely right. He, he will eventually transition to shorts. He will get hot. He will get uncomfortable, and he'll do it. In that, in that moment, I'm just not going to pick that battle, which is a really important thing um parenting strategy to to think about because sometimes they really do need that control and that autonomy. And that's important. And as long as you're okay with pajamas at preschool and I'm okay with jeans in the summer, which I would never do, then we're good. Just let you know, we're just gonna let it go.
1: And I had to really look at why I was upset about the pajamas to school. And it really was about my grandmother. Like like literally like if I really looked at it, I was like, why is this such a sticking point that he has to wear clothes to school? And it's because I hear our wonderful nanny who's very uh, traditional and cares a lot about like appearances and my grandmother the same. And I was like, wow, like I felt like inside like I was failing that I was going to show up with my kid in school. He's in his Christmas pajamas today with light bulbs all over it from a Christmas tree. And I literally look at it. I was like, but he's happy. He's happier than on the mornings where I force him to get dressed, and it gets like physical and awful and just emotional, and it's a fucking nightmare. This has been so much better. Escape to Summer with Victoria's Secret. What is emotional dysregulation versus regulation?
2: Yeah, so a lot of times we're going to see our, our younger folks, right? Our toddlers, our latency age kids, and obviously teenagers and adults as well, in kind of a state of dysregulation, meaning that their mood, their emotions, maybe their thoughts, maybe their behaviors, are what we would consider out of control. In a way that's not effective, not helpful, and like, like, likely for, for parents, pissing us off, right? And so we're going to see that. And in that moment, we can kind of reflect that they are not in control in this moment. And you want to actually think about two different types of, of dysregulation because we, we see this, but we don't always recognize uh, the second type. The first type is underregulated. So these are individuals that are having that tantrum. We all know what a tantrum looks like. I know what the tantrum looks like with all three of my boys. But another type of dysregulation is what we would call overregulation. And these are individuals that are so regulated that they're not even allowing themselves to feel anything. So I want you to think about, and it's hard to see in a toddler, but it might be easier for for us to think about with maybe some, unfortunately, some of our our friends or family members who have been really, really depressed and can't get out of the bed and sort of pull the covers over their head. Or what you can see is you see toddlers who are severely, severely anxious. They're overly regulated, so they're not moving, they're not sort of um – Uh, putting their emotions out there. They're controlling everything to the best of their ability, whether that's controlling what they're eating, controlling how much they're speaking, controlling whether they're going to the bathroom.
1: Oh yeah. I've heard about that. Oh my God.
2: So these are individuals who are so out of control that they become over-regulated in a way. And we miss those kids sometimes because sometimes those kids are actually...
1: Performing well on a superficial level. It's like they're doing all the rules. They're... Doing what they're supposed to be doing. So no one looks or even thinks to look that something could be wrong. Wow, that's really interesting.
2: Yeah. So you want to be mindful for that and in, in, in kids that kind of meet meet that level and you can tell they're just really, really anxious or they're really just trying to hold it together and, and that's how they present.
1: Oof. And then what's under that's over regulated? What's under regulated?
2: So under regulated is the, is the temper, tantrum. tantrum. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Screaming, yelling, throwing, kicking.
1: Okay, and so then any so your goal is once we've crossed into that, the most important thing is getting them to a regulated level. Like that's your job as a parent. And I try to express this express this to my husband all the time. He had to learn that when you are not regulated, you are either overregulated or underregulated is not the time for a teaching moment. Am I absolutely. wrong?
2: <laughs> no, no, Katie, okay. you're, you're absolutely right. Um, although, I, you know, I don't blame or judge her husband because I think we in those moments, we're all so frustrated. We just want to say, hey, kid, you see, that wasn't working for you.
1: Right. Exactly. That's what my husband's like. What? Like now is the time to have like a 20 minute conversation about like why you can't have this at that point. And I'm like, he's not hearing you. He's out of no. his fucking mind right now. He's literally a sociopath.
2: Absolutely. At that moment, they're so dysregulated. And I want us as adults to think about that time when uh, we were waiting for a plane and it got canceled. And in the moment, right away, we're dysregulated. We can't even think about what is the next step that I need to take to solve this problem that my plane was just canceled. I'm so dysregulated. I'm so upset. I can't Mm. even think. Mm. And that's why if you use validation to help your child get to a regulated state, they may be able to either accept the help that you're offering or that you could offer to solve the problem. Or again, more importantly, they could come up with a solution, learn that this is a more effective way to deal with a difficult situation.
1: How the hell are parents supposed to know? Not only timing of it, you know, if your child is in a dysregulated moment, it, it might be a time to use validation as a tool to get them to a regulated spot. But how do you know that it's a good time to be validating versus when is it a time to be stern or fix a situation?
2: Yeah. So I, I would come back to the idea of dialectics where I'm gonna try to do both at the same time. Mm. And you know, this also bleeds a little bit into what you're talking about about modeling. Whenever I'm trying to set a limit with my boys, I am trying to do it from a calm perspective, from a perspective that, that shows them that I am in control of my emotions, I know what I'm feeling. And at the same time, what you did broke a rule in the home. So there needs to be consequences. Just to be clear, I don't do that. I try to do that. And I tell people I do that.
1: Damn, that's good, though. Like, up, oh, you broke a rule in the house. And so unfortunately, there's going to have to be consequences. Whoa. And, then,
2: and we're going to jump into validate. And coming back, just coming back to this, Katie, because I want to really own this. My wife says to me all the time, but you're an expert in this, aren't you? How come you're not doing what you tell people to do all the time, right? So I get that all the time at home. At the same time, I strive. To be able to validate at the same time say i know this is difficult i know this is not going to be fun and at the same time i need you going to go time out for hitting brother right, right? that's what. that's what we're gonna have to do they go into time out they get dysregulated they get upset at the end of time out i walk up to them i validate their emotions i get why you're upset i totally do and you know i think what what sometimes i hear in our society is we're being too soft on our kids we're, we're being too mm-hmm. you know we're being too easy on them and Maybe they're right maybe they're not. I personally think as um, somebody who does a lot of behavioral parent training what I'm doing in that moment is trying to help my child get more regulated so they can learn how to be more effective. And at that age it's really, really great. They can learn a lot on how to be um, use how to be more skillful in the future and it's such a it's such a crucial time to be able to teach them how to deal with that. So as much as I can I try to validate to get them in a regulated place so they can learn from it.
1: This is making me feel much better because you're a professional and now I'm going to tell people that. But I I do feel guilt about not being stern enough, uh, especially around older generations, like on family vacations with my parents or my grandmother or, you know, I have a very um, extroverted son who, you know, people I hear people say like, oh, you're going to have to look out for that one or you think he's hard now, like or 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 you're going to have to show you this one's classic, like you're going to have to show him who's boss now because, later, you know, things like that um, always perk up my ear. A lot, and I worry that yeah, I think the older generation was like throw him in his fucking room, lock the fucking door, let him scream and cry. He just hit his sister, like that's unacceptable. Where I'm trying to do more of what I learn here from experts, and I'm praying that y'all are right, <laughs> that that I say oh. Okay, you know what? You touched your sister's body in a way that's unacceptable. It's not how we treat people. And now me and your sister we're going to go play over here because we don't want to be or whatever I do, you know, like you're going to have to have a time out and sit in your room and think about it. And you can be upset. You're allowed to be upset, but we're not going to treat people like that. I don't allow. It. And then I come back and then we repair the rupture a few minutes later and he says he's sorry and I say I appreciate that you're sorry and but it still doesn't make it right that you hit her. We can't. I don't hit people's bodies. You don't hit people's bodies. But I do this over and over and over again. And I pray that he will just be a good person.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think what you brought up is really important that we as parents, it's really hard to navigate our family relationships while we're parenting at the same time, whether it's on trips or or folks are coming to visit us or, or whatever we're doing. And you're just going to try to do the best you can by really using these skills and strategies and recognize that, they weren't necessarily developed or talked about or utilized in our generation and and that's okay um i'll still do something a little bit differently with my kids and as long as you're finding that balance of making sure that you are doing some limit setting because there needs to be some limit setting of course. and you're also having some acceptance of this is the situation this is my child this is their strengths and these are their areas of growth then i think you're doing you're doing the right thing here and it's stressful we just acknowledge that
1: Oh, my God, is it stressful. Um, This book you mention a lot, which I think is a book, it's called The Rabbit Listened. It's the fucking best for adults and kids alike. Can you tell us what happens in this book and why it's so important? Everyone who is listening who is pregnant, has a small baby, has an older baby, has a teen. I don't care. Get this book. If you don't have The Rabbit Listened, get it. I,
2: I love this book. I think it does such a nice job of describing validation. And one of the major pitfalls we as parents um, succumb to um, with being invalidating. But but really, in this book, there is uh, this child. Uh, and this child has, you know, I won't give the, the whole premise away, but this child has something bad that happens to them. And so different animals come in and try to fix it. And we as parents do that too often. Too often when a child is hurt, child is upset about something that happened, we come in and we say things like, oh, it's okay. It'll be better tomorrow. Or don't worry about that. I have a solution. Or here, another favorite one in our country, here, have a cookie. That'll make you feel better, right? That's all actually invalidating. And I know a lot of parents on the call may say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm trying to help them. You're telling me that that's invalidating. It is because in in that moment, your child is feeling a specific emotion. It's really important for us to allow your child to sit in that emotion and for you to sit with that emotion with your child as well. And allowing that to happen can help your child deal with that emotion, feel it and allow it to recede like a wave because emotions hit us like waves, hit us hard, and then they eventually go away, right? And it allows them to grow and to then change themselves. And so what you see in this book is a lot of different animals come in and try to fix the problem. The young child is not getting what they need until one animal comes in and just listens. And I also want to be really clear, Katie. It is hard to just listen to your child and the negative emotions that they're feeling, right? We had a first incident of being bullied at five years old. It was one of the most difficult things I'd had to listen to, right? Hear my child talk about being bullied at school. And all I want to do was fix it, right? All oh, I wanted it'll be better when you get when you get this age and I'll call it the principal and I'll call it the parent and this and all I needed to do in that moment was just sit in that emotion myself which was really difficult. And by the way, we have a technical term for this. It's called sitting in the shit because it <laughs> sucks so much. It sucks so much. But instead of trying to pull your child out of the shit, tell them how to get out of the shit, just go in and sit with them. Just sit with that and allow them to feel it to learn how to cope with it and then they will get up and out themselves. And this book does an excellent job describing that.
1: And then also our goal in this in sitting in shit versus being like the other animals in the book where you're the other animals in the book are all coming in like you so eloquently said and just they're you're using different tactics of how they're going to fix it for the kid. But is the goal of just sitting in the shit and listening and maybe sitting at the same level as your child having body language that's open Uh, is the goal for them to learn themselves how to fix it for themselves? Because we're not always going to be there to fix it anyway. Um, But is the goal, the goal is for them to learn validation for themselves, like to self-validate?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the goal, I think, includes, um, includes many aspects. One goal is for them to just feel the emotion and sit in it. So we don't try to change the emotion. So then they can Nothing's tolerate. wrong with it. Right, right. Exactly. So they can't tolerate Right. And so, you know, the movie inside out, right. Brilliant. They can't tolerate sadness, cannot tolerate sadness. So we need to help our children learn how to tolerate sadness because unfortunately Sadness is a part of life. Mm -hmm. Guilt is a big one. Shame is a big one. Mm -hmm. We need our children to be able to sit in those emotions and feel them. I don't want them to wallow in them for weeks and weeks and weeks. But feeling that emotion, learning how to tolerate it, and learning how to get out of it is so important. And if you can model that and help guide that, then absolutely the goal is that they'll acquire that skill and then be able to generalize it in other situations when we're not around because we will not always be around to be able to do that.
1: Are there any activities that help kids develop internal validation besides you modeling it?
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of activities that I necessarily can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I think that this really is about awareness and mindfulness, which also is kind of a a piece that's a, a huge component of dialectical behavior therapy or DBT. And they're not doing DBT with toddlers or anything like that, but it's certainly... Um, a therapeutic uh, set of skills that I've, I've utilized when I'm doing behavioral parent training, it really is about awareness of how you're feeling. I think that's a big piece because you need to be able to understand what what emotion I, I have. So I think it's important to, and again, coming back to the movie Inside Out, they do a great job of sort of taking away the stigma of difficult emotions And whether you're watching Inside Out or making sure you're reading books about different emotions or, you know, with my seven-year-old and my five-year-old, we're going to start reading Harry Potter this summer, right? So I'll hopefully be able to ask them questions. It's not going to be every page. What emotion is Ron feeling? What emotion is this person feeling? No, but it's really
1: helpful. Yeah, sure.
2: Having that open conversation when you're watching films or reading books and doing different activities with them, help them kind of engage in the understanding of these are emotions and these these are how emotions make us feel.
1: And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with a limited-edition bombshell-escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Finding
0: the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. Play.
1: You know, my husband and I were such actors and we've been in therapy for like 20 years and we just love it just because I whether or not I'm having good weeks, bad weeks or actually struggle, struggling with things I've been diagnosed with or whatever. For me, it just makes me a much better mother, daughter, wife, because I have somebody else listening to my stuff. Um, When is it time for a child to have therapy or should? I don't know.
2: So it's that's a tougher question to answer because it can be so individualized. And at the same time, if you're concerned about about emotions or behaviors or even thinking patterns and styles, if you're concerned that any of those three areas are impacting one of the areas of life for 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 a young child, friendship, um, academics. Uh, ability to engage in social activities, mm. um, ability, ability to connect with other folks, um, sort of all the different facets within young children. That's probably the time to seek, um, some advice on, it, yeah, if we, if we want help. You know, the really nice thing about many childhood psychiatric issues, if we intervene early, the outcomes are tremendously positive for many of them. Um, and at the same time, we're not always great at catching them. You know, one thing that that we hear a lot about that's that's always really uh, sad for me is children with selective mutism, right? So there's some children who don't speak in different areas. Maybe it's at school. Uh, maybe it's at with specific family members. But at certain settings, they just don't speak. And what you'll hear sometimes from healthcare professionals, whether it's you know an MD or maybe even a therapist is, oh, don't worry, they'll grow out of this. But this is actually a pretty severe and significant issue that needs to be addressed with a specific type of therapy um, and, and needs to be addressed as quickly as possible. And when addressed, the outcomes are really tremendously positive, but sometimes we don't always recognize these
1: things. Wow. I would go so far as to say too, for anyone listening, like I just feel like if you instinctually feel like something is off in any area, I'm like the first person to go running to like anyone who's a professional. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm just like, well, let's just at least go and ask, you know, like poke around a little bit. Um, How would you know that somebody was a fit?
2: Yeah. So I, am I will say I'm biased in this and that I'm more of a fan of, um, especially with children, um, adolescents, uh, even our, our young adults who, who seem to be struggling more and more these days, um, with evidence-based interventions and really thinking about, um, different uh, psychiatric treatments that are supported by research. And so I think that's kind of the first step. There's, a really good website that, that I really often guide individuals to, and it's just called effectivechildtherapy.org. Um, it's through the Society of Clinical Child and Adolescent Psychology. It's related to um, Association for Behavior and Cognitive Therapies. But there you can look up some of the symptoms that your young child is struggling with and find the recommended treatments. And from there, you can even look up different therapists that are offering those treatments. And really. Finding a therapist that not only is trained in evidence-based practices, but who's also collaborative. You know, if you have a therapist that's meeting with your child and not really giving you updates on how things are going, maybe not weekly. Right. But you're hearing and you know what the treatment plan is and the goals and they're, and they're giving you feedback. That's important for, for child and really for adolescent therapy as well. There, there might be cases where really we want the adolescent to have that autonomy, but that's being explained to you why and what's going on. But, but for the most part, you're going to want a therapist that's collaborative and and speaking uh, with you and giving you feedback uh, and giving you some guidance. And the other piece that, that I think we really struggle with as I know I struggle with as a provider and as a parent is, Often child interventions include the parents, which means not only, you know, there could be up to two sessions a week where the child is going in once and, and you're going in with your partner or on your own once as well. Um, and that's a lot of work. And at the same time, the uh, can be tremendously um, helpful and with a lot of positive outcomes if you're with the right provider and in the right treatment.
1: I, again, I know that this is for kids, but it's like if we get back to basics of like, body language, taking a breath, getting down on our kids level, making the space to just listen and then using your fancy dialectic, I think was the word. Mm -hmm. Um, But words that are not trying to change the emotion or change the experience, but sit in the experience and essentially respect that they're in it and that they're going through it. Like I, I, I hear that it is really hard. Oh, my gosh. Speaking about two things at once, my son was saying, the other day I got, t- oh, he kicked me in the eyeball. So that's fun. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he was so pissed that I was, fa- yeah. He my son's behavior goes from shit to shittier whenever I'm <laughs> on the phone or on FaceTime, right? Because it's, it's, I'm not paying attention to him. Even though... To be fair, he's very good at independent play, and he's very good at those things. It's just for some reason, like when I'm FaceTiming with my mother and he wants my attention, shit gets real crappy quick. So he hit the phone out of my hand, and I was like, "Up," oh, you know, I really didn't like that. This is an expensive piece of something that I need for work and blah, blah, blah. And then he tried to kick it out of my hand but missed and kicked me in the eyeball. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I said, "Oh, mom, I'm going to have to go. I'm I'm really angry right now." And I tried to keep myself very regulated. I turned off the phone and I said, "Um, that was unacceptable. You hurt my face, you hurt my eye. I could have gotten really hurt, and I'm so upset right now that I actually I I can't I can't be with you right now. I'm going to go to my own room." And sit because I'm I don't want to be really, really, really angry. I'm so angry and my eyeball hurts. (laughs) So I excused myself because I was like so fucking pissed. And then he's like screaming and he only wants me. And he's so sorry. He's so sorry. He's so sorry. and, And I'm like, I'm I'm really appreciate that you're sorry and you feel bad about what you've done. It's still I'm still mad for example, both things are true. <laughs> He's like, you are sorry. I accept your apology. I'm still angry. I'm not ready to let this go. But he also said after we kind of got through it a few days later, he was like, when you were really angry, you didn't love me then. And I said, oh, that's actually not true, buddy. I said, I can I can be angry at you. I can be sad with you. I can be disappointed. I can feel all those things and I can still love you at the same time. In fact, I, that's like how I feel about you all the time. Like I love you all the time, even if I'm angry or pissed off or cranky or whatever, but two things being true at one time, I feel like is parenting.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think 100%. I think from my reflection on, on, on the story that you told, I love that you took space. And in some ways that's why we do timeouts, right? And by the way, I am an advocate for timeout. I think timeouts can be really, really helpful. You, using the timeout in that moment was, was is is in my opinion the right thing to do and this is how you use it dialectically right so the dialectics that i'm talking about is acceptance and empathy plus change so the timeout is the change so getting off the phone with your mother expressing how you feel in that moment putting him in timeout or you taking timeout and then taking some time and then coming back to that situation and explaining why it was so hurtful why it bothered you And at the same time, you know that sometimes it's really hard for him when you're on the phone.
1: In finishing up, parenthood is?
2: It's really challenging, and it is also something that everybody can be successful at when getting the right support.
1: Yeah. That's so true. And I really hope that this podcast provides a little bit of that. Obviously, all of the clients of Zach K. Blumkin are definitely getting that. I'm so appreciative of you taking the time. I know you're very busy saving lives and children and parents' uh, mental health. It's very, very, very important. And I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to be on Katie's Crip.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I want to hear from you. Let's chat. Questions, comments, concerns? Let me know. You can always find me at katiescrib at shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.